share with you a message from my heart tonight that I think God has in store for you. And so I'm going to go ahead and pray and ask the Lord just to minister to your spirit tonight. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this evening together. Thank you for the kids we just saw on this platform. God, every one of them has a future that you have prepared and planned for them. And we're grateful to be a church full of children. God, I pray for everybody in this room tonight. You have a special touch you want to give to every person in this room. And so, Lord, I ask through the Holy Spirit to move and to work in power and in authority tonight. I pray that every one of us would have an open heart. God, if we walked into this room tonight with a closed heart, if we walked into this room tonight with a heart that was just kind of seized up and, and not ready to embrace what you want to do in us, I pray right now through the power of the Spirit for a softening of every heart in this room. God, I pray that there would not be one person who walks out of this room tonight without knowing Jesus in a personal way. So if you brought anybody in here, Lord, who does not know you yet, I pray that tonight would be the night of salvation, that tonight would be the night of change. God, you are good, and we love you, and we thank you for sending Jesus into the world. Thank you for the Christmas story. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, guys, I want to open up with a story uh, this evening. And this is a story that if you follow our church Facebook page, you may have actually seen me share this story. Just on Thursday of this week, I kind of had a random God encounter that happened. And, uh, and I want to tell you about it. So some of you may have seen it on our page. But I was in Jeremiah's, in Jeremiah's Coffee House, doing a little bit of work this week. Uh, I kind of bounce around the area. Sometimes I work here at the church. Sometimes I go to local coffee shops to get some work done. Happened to be in Jeremiah's. I'm sitting in front of my computer trying to get some work done, and I've got a to-do list of like 20 items long, right? I mean, I've got just a million things to do. There's, there's plenty of things to keep me busy and keep me focused while I'm there. And a lady walks up to my table while I'm trying to get some work done, and she's got a young man with him, and she says, hey, um, I want you to meet somebody here at Jeremiah's who needs some help. And I got to be really honest with you, the first thought that crossed my mind was absolutely not. <laughs> I have 20 things to do. Right? I've got work to get done. I've got a to-do list. And every now and then, God has to remind me that when you're a pastor, the mission is not the work on the computer. Uh, the mission is the people, right? And so I said, okay, I'll sit down with whoever it is this person is. And what ended up happening is sitting across the table from me on Thursday of this week was a young man by the name of Michael. Uh, Michael was 20 years old, and Michael opened up about his story to me. And his story just absolutely broke my heart. And I realized that what was happening was that God was putting us together at a table for a very specific purpose and reason. Michael shared his story. Here's what it was. At five years old, Michael had to be taken out of his home because of an abusive situation with his parents. He ended up in the foster care system, spent his whole life in foster care. And so what happens occasionally, sometimes to people in the foster care system, not all the time, but in his story, this is what happened. He went up through the foster care system and bounced around from home to home and family to family. And by the time he got to 18 years old, it was time to kind of graduate out of the foster care system. He gets out of the system and has nowhere to go. The family who had raised him up to that point had had a lot of problems with him. He told me I caused all kinds of issues in their house. And so they just needed me to get out. And so when he got out of the foster care system, he ended up on the streets. And for the next two years of his life, Michael found himself homeless. He was bouncing around from place to place, location to location. He told me this whole story. And in his search for hope, in his search for something to give him some kind of purpose, in his, in his, in his search to kind of dull the pain in his life, he started turning to substances. So he turned to methamphetamines. He got himself hooked. He, he turned to alcohol. He turned to marijuana. Turned to all these things, and they controlled his life for the previous two years. He's opening up telling me this whole story. 
He's sitting across the table and, and telling me he has no place to stay. I said, Michael, where, like, where do you sleep at night? He said, I sleep all kinds of places. I said, well, where did you sleep last night? It was really cold. He said, I slept outside the fire, one of the fire stations here in Marietta. I said, Michael, how did you get through the night? He said, I almost didn't. He said, it was so cold outside, I didn't sleep all of last night. And he told me this statement that just broke my heart. He said, if I don't make a change, if something doesn't change in my life, I'm going to die on the streets. That's what he told me on Thursday of this week. You know, Michael has a story that unfortunately is, is, is a very, very hard one, harder than what probably most of us have in our lives. But, but Michael has something that's common to every single one of us. Michael's a young man who is looking for hope. Michael is a young man whose soul is very, very weary from the impact of life. You know, I have a theory. I have a theory that what happens in life is that there's this gravitational pull that takes place that I think all of us go through, that actually there's a, there's a gravitational pull toward weariness, the natural trajectory of life, the natural pull of life is not toward hope. The natural pull of life is away from hope. The natural pull of life is not toward joy. It's not toward rejoicing. It's not toward fulfillment. The natural pull of life is toward emptiness. It is toward weariness. It is toward fatigue. It is toward hopelessness. And the reason that life pulls us in that direction is because life beats us up. And so all kinds of things hit us throughout the course of a year, whether we want them to or not. All kinds of stuff happens, and the natural progression, if we don't have the power of God in our lives, the natural progression is toward weariness. Now, we all get to weariness, and we all get to a place of some hopelessness for a different reason. It's a different story that gets us all there. So Michael's story was addiction. Michael's story was homelessness. Michael's story was not having a committed family in his life. That's what brought him toward hopelessness and him toward weariness. But as you walk in here tonight, it's very possible that when you look back on 2023, that you have a weary soul walking into the room tonight. And the reason that got you there is a totally different story. It's not Michael's story. But you might have gotten there for some other reason. Maybe you got there because marriage was really hard this year. Maybe you got there because somebody you loved passed away this year. Maybe you got there because a, a child that you deeply love and care for kind of ran off the rails this year and you, you were trying to pick up the pieces of their life. Maybe you got there because something's broken in your physical body this year and you dealt with a problem that you couldn't overcome. Maybe you got there because of anxiety or depression or whatever it may have been. The natural gravitational pull of life is toward weariness. And you have a reason that you got there. You know, we have been in this series that we've been calling A Thrill of Hope. And what we've been doing all of the month of December is we've been taking the song, Oh Holy Night, and we've been pulling phrases out of the song. And I've been preaching on different phrases and connecting those phrases to the Christmas story. And so tonight, I want to preach on the phrase, every, everything kind of built up to this moment on Christmas Eve, even though this is technically not Christmas Eve, but darn close. Everything kind of built up to this message, and tonight I want to share with you a message on the phrase that we sing in O Holy Night, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. We're going to sing O Holy Night in a few minutes, and when we do, you're going to cry out that phrase, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices.
Every single one of us needs a thrill of hope. Every single one of us needs our weary hearts to rejoice. And the answer to how we find hope and the answer to how we find rejoicing for our souls again is not found in our humanity. It's not found in anything that we can go grab in this world. The answer to hope, the answer to the need for hope, the answer to a tired soul that is weary and worn down by life is Jesus. And tonight I want to celebrate the birth of Christ with you and I want to help you to run toward Jesus to find hope and fulfillment and joy for your weary soul so that no matter what caused you to get there, no matter what caused you to walk a trail of being weary in life, I want you to know that you can run to Jesus tonight. You can thank him, you can praise him, you can rejoice in him, you can celebrate his birth this evening, and you can run to him, and Jesus can give you hope. I'm going to show you a story in the Bible tonight, something that's connected to the Christmas story of an individual who was feeling hopeless and an individual who had a weariness in their soul who desperately needed Jesus to put joy back inside of them. I'm going to tell you the story of a guy named Simeon. Simeon is a part of the Christmas story. So when we come to Christmas Eve, what we, what we tend to do is we, we tend to focus on one part of the Christmas Eve story as it's told in the Bible. Uh, but actually, the Christmas Eve story is much, much larger than just this one story. The one story that we tend to, to just totally focus all in on is the part of the Christmas story about Jesus being born in a manger in Bethlehem. And that makes sense. We rejoice in the sending of Christ into the world. But actually, the Christmas story, if you, if you read it in, in Matthew and Luke's gospel, it's actually about an 18-month period of time that is talked about in the scriptures. So the story that I'm going to bring you to tonight is what happened right after Jesus was born in the manger. It's the next story in Luke's gospel. So the whole scene has played out. Joseph and Mary have gone from Nazareth to Bethlehem. In Bethlehem, it's there that they have to land in a barn. We call it a manger because there was no room anywhere else for them to stay. All kinds of people were flooding back to Bethlehem to be counted in a Roman census. It was there in Bethlehem that Jesus was born to the Virgin Mary. He's born among animals. There's a, there's a hillside full of shepherds outside. There's angels that show up to those shepherds, according to Luke's gospel. They cry out to God. Those shepherds come running down into Bethlehem to try to find the baby Jesus in the barn. That whole scene plays out. And what happens in Luke's gospel is that the very next story, immediately after that story, there's another story that's about the infant Jesus. And it's a story of Simeon whose soul is weary and he needs hope again in his life. And he meets Jesus and his hope is restored. His weariness is lifted off of his heart. So here's how the story goes. Immediately after Jesus was born, in Bethlehem, it was customary for Jewish parents at that time to take their, if you had a firstborn male, you would take that male child to the temple in Jerusalem. Now, the reason that you would do that as a Jewish family was because you would present the child that was just born, and, and that, child, that firstborn male child was supposed to be given as an offering to God. You were basically saying this child's life is dedicated to the Lord from this point forward. So Joseph and Mary, right after the birth of Jesus, make a several-mile trek. Bethlehem was not far away from Jerusalem. They make a several-mile trek from Bethlehem to Jerusalem. They go to the temple, and they walk in with the baby Jesus in their arms. 
And when they walk in, there is a very old gentleman named Simeon who's there. And Simeon spots Jesus, and Simeon runs across the temple to meet Jesus. Here's how the story goes. It says this, in the Gospel of Luke chapter 22, it says that, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Simeon was a man with a weary heart. Now, I want to explain to you why he, was, why he had a weary heart. Simeon had a weary heart for perhaps a very different reason than why we get into weariness in life. Michael got there because of addiction and homelessness. We get there because of marital challenges. We get there because of inflation and not being able to pay our bills. We get there because of depression. We get there for all kinds of different reasons. Simeon's reason, the reason why he got into a state of weariness in his life is that he had an unfulfilled promise from God. You ever had, you ever had God speak to you or, or you thought that maybe God showed you something in your life and then it doesn't happen right away and you think, did I hear God wrong? Or, or even worse, did I hear God right but maybe I did something wrong that cost me the opportunity to see God do what he said he was going to do in my life? You ever had that happen? Like, if you've ever been waiting for a promise of God to be fulfilled, you can probably relate to what it's like to grow weary. And Simeon was waiting for a promise of God to be fulfilled. Here was the promise that God had given him. God had told him that he would not die before he had seen the Messiah with his eyes. And here he is at the end of his life. The implication of Luke's gospel is that Simeon's like, he's in the, he is in the closing stages He's, at the, he's like 55 years old. He's in the closing. I'm kidding, guys. It's totally a joke. Have a little bit of a laugh. Come on. He's, he's, at, the, he's at the very, very end. And he's in the closing stages. And, 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 and this promise of God has never been fulfilled in his life. So he's weary. Now, all the nation of Israel had been looking forward to the hope of the Messiah because Israel had all these promises in Scripture. I'm going to show you a few of them, but, but they're all, the, the Israelites had our Old Testaments in our Bible was their version of the Bible. They didn't have a New Testament to their Bibles yet. It hadn't been written yet. So what they viewed as the Holy Scriptures was our Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, there were all these prophecies that were predicting the, that a Messiah would come. And so Israel was looking forward to the hope of the Messiah, but nobody had been given a promise like Simeon had that they would actually see the Messiah in their lifetime. Nobody had been given that promise. So here are the kinds of things that Simeon was aware of in, in the scripture. Let me just show you like these examples that were in the ancient scriptures of the Jewish people who knew that someday a Messiah was going to be coming. There was a prediction in Isaiah chapter 7 that the Messiah would come and the Messiah would be born of a virgin. That was actually predicted 700 years before Jesus' birth. It came true. There was a prediction in Micah 5 too that the Messiah would be born in the city of Bethlehem. It came true in Jesus. There was a prediction in Hosea chapter 11 that the baby Jesus would have to flee to Egypt to get away and then would come out of Egypt and it was coming out of Egypt that he would come back to Israel to start his ministry. That came true. There was a prediction in the scriptures that the Messiah would be preceded by a messenger. It came true when John the Baptist went in front of Jesus to start his ministry. There was a prediction 
that the Messiah someday would enter Jerusalem on a donkey. It came true in Jesus. There was a prediction in Simeon's Bible that the Messiah would be betrayed by a friend. It came true when Judas Iscariot betrayed him. There was a prediction that the Messiah would be sold out for 30 pieces of silver. Zechariah eleven twelve. It came true in Judas. There was a prediction that his hands and feet would be pierced. It came true. There was a prediction that there would be no broken bones at the crucifixion experience. Again, it came true in Christ. And there was a prediction in Isaiah 53 that the Messiah would be raised from the dead. These are just 10 of the examples of, of tons and tons of examples in Simeon's version of the Bible, our Old Testament, that would have pointed to the coming of a Messiah. So Simeon, like all the Jewish people, was looking forward to his coming. But Simeon had this special, special promise from God. You will see him with your eyes before your life comes to an end. He was weary. Because what do you do when God is not fulfilling your promises? And so Simeon's hanging out in the temple one day. He has no idea that he's going to see Jesus that day. Jesus has just been born in a manger. Jesus' parents walk in. Jesus walks in. Okay, he doesn't walk in. But if any baby could walk in, <laughs> it would have been Jesus. He could have walked in on water. Jesus comes into the temple. An infant Jesus comes into the temple. And this is what happens to Simeon. Chapter 2 and verse 27. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do him, for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took, his, took him in his arms and he praised God saying, and I'll show you what he said in just a second, but can we just linger on the fact that Simeon ran over and stole a baby from Joseph and Mary. He ran across the temple. He grabbed the baby Jesus out of Mary's arms. Because what was happening to Simeon is that hope was being restored. He realized when he's standing in that temple that God was fulfilling his promise to him. And the weariness of his heart, the weariness that he had been living through, the, the waiting period of waiting, will I ever get to see the Messiah Jesus, the one that all of this scripture had been written about, will I ever, ever get to see it in my life? The wait was over. And he got to see Jesus. And so he stands there with his child Jesus in his arms and he cries out these words in front of Joseph and Mary. He says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. So he cries this out to God, and then I don't have slides for these ones, but, he, but, he, but he, let me just read for you a little bit more. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him, and Simeon blessed them. He said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And he said to Mary, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. He was referring to the fact that this child would someday be crucified and Mary would witness his crucifixion. Hope was restored for Simeon. And this is what Jesus is offering all of us. He's offering us the restoration of hope. 
He's offering us an answer to our weary souls. We all get to weariness for a different reason. There's all kinds of paths that get us there. All kinds of problems, all kinds of ways that life beats us up, all kinds of ways that life hammers on us, and just the, gra- the constant gravitational pull of life is toward weariness. But Jesus stands constantly awaiting us and saying, I'm here, would you run to me? And that's what Simeon did. He literally ran to Jesus and scooped him up in his arms. And we get to run to Jesus and be scooped up in his arms. And that is the answer to our weariness. So I don't know what brought you to a place of weariness tonight. I just know what's true of most of us is that we walked in here and 2023 beat us up for a lot of different reasons. It hit us hard for a lot of different reasons. And I want to tell you that Jesus, as we celebrate his birth tonight, that Jesus stands with his arms open for you and he wants to give you hope. Let me tell you the rest of Michael's story. So I sat across this table from Michael and I wanted our church to try to help him. We, uh, we, we, we set aside 10% of all the dollars that our congregants give in this church and those dollars are set aside to be able to do things. Sometimes we send missionaries out with them. Sometimes we plant churches with them. Uh, but sometimes we help people like Michael with them. And so I knew we had a pot of funds to be able to work with and I made an offer to Michael to try to help him. I said, listen, if you want to get, it, we'll, like, we'll put you up in a hotel. If you want to walk a path of getting into addiction recovery and you need a place to stay and you need funding, like we'll do everything we can as a, as a church to try to help you. Michael turned that offer down. And the reason he turned that offer down was because he felt like he had a better community of people where he was from and he had somebody coming to give him a ride. He said, if I can just get back to where I'm from, I can get back into my AA meetings. I can start on the path of recovery again. And so Michael felt like he had what he needed in terms of support. And so the part of the story that we did not get to play as a church was helping him in the very unique circumstances that he was in, helping to get him off the streets and helping to get him off of the substances that he was addicted to. But there was a different part of the story uh, that we got to play. Um, I think God orchestrated a meeting between us. And so I wanted to make sure that Michael didn't leave that table without being given an opportunity to run to Jesus. And so I just asked him, Michael, do you know God in a personal way? Do you know him at all? And his answer was, no, I don't know God. I said, Michael, do you know Jesus? Have you ever met Jesus in a personal way? And his answer was, no, I don't know Jesus. In fact, he said, I've always kind of wanted to know, but I, I, I don't even know how. How do I even know Jesus? And so right there at the table, and Jeremiah, as I had an opportunity just to share with him a little bit of the gospel message, just a little bit of the story of Jesus coming to the world, Jesus being the son of God, Jesus dying on a cross, Jesus living the life that none of us could live and then dying on a cross so that he could be saved. And I told Michael, I said, Michael, listen, if you want Jesus, all you have to do is invite him in. And if you invite him in, it won't immediately fix every problem you're facing. But what it will do is it will put the spirit of God inside of your life. And for the rest of your life, God's spirit will be with you. And God's spirit will never let you go. And so wherever you're at in life, if you're on the streets again, if you're on drugs again, wherever you're at in life, God will be with you no matter what. Michael, do you want that? He shook his head yes. And we sat there and we began to pray together. And Michael prayed to receive Jesus Christ into his life. Here's what I know to be true. Michael received the Holy Spirit at that table. God's Spirit is with him. 
I may never see him again in my life. I may never get an opportunity. I hope I get an opportunity to cross paths him again. I may never get it again in my life, but God is with him. And from this point forward, God is going to do a work to change him. And God is going to do a work to put hope inside of him, to give him a future, and to lift the weariness off of his life. And what I want you to know tonight is that God is offering you the same thing. Your circumstances are different. The challenges you face are different. The things that have caused weariness in your life are different, but the gravitational pull never stops toward weariness. And I'm telling you that Jesus wants to help you. He loves you. God sent his son Jesus into the world. We celebrate this miraculous story on Christmas Eve of God putting a, a child in the womb of a virgin and sending that, 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 that child into the world. There's this unbelievable story of Jesus growing up and, 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 and serving people and loving people and performing miracles and dying on a cross. Jesus wants to meet you where you are at tonight. And his spirit can get inside of you as well. And he can lift the weariness off of your life as well. So all I want to know, I'm going to ask you the same question that I asked Michael. Do you want it? Do you want a relationship with God? Do you want to run to Jesus? Do you want to be saved? Do you want to have hope in your life? I'm going to give you an opportunity here to invite Christ into your life. We're going to pray. And during my prayer, all I'm going to do is lead you in a prayer. If you feel ready to turn your heart to Jesus and to submit yourself to him, you can do so right now. And then after our prayer, we're going to sing a couple uh, awesome uh, Christmas hymns together. So let's go ahead and just bow our heads and close our eyes. Lord God, before I enter into prayer with everybody in this room, I want to thank you for the work you're doing tonight. Because I know that in this room tonight, you have people who you have prepared for this moment. God, you have people who you have been stirring on for quite some time. You've been prodding them, you've been pushing them, you've been putting circumstances into their life to bring them to this opportunity to turn their hearts to Christ. And God, I pray that whoever you have prepared would come to Jesus tonight. So everybody stay with your heads bowed, your eyes closed. If you're ready to meet Jesus, if you're ready to find the one who can give hope and rejoicing to your weary soul, all you have to do is invite him in. Just follow me in this prayer. Just pray very, very sincerely to invite Christ into your life. Lord Jesus, will you please come into my life? I'm inviting you in. Jesus, I'm opening up my heart to you tonight. I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died for my sins on the cross. I believe you rose from the dead. And I want to invite you in. Please save me and please change me. Keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed. If you are praying that prayer this evening and inviting Jesus into your life, would you have the courage just to raise your hand nice and high into the air? Is anybody inviting Jesus? Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody else? Oh, praise God, praise God. Jesus, thank you for all the hands that just went into the air. Thank you for the work of salvation that you're doing in the hearts and in the lives of people. We love you, God. God, would you bring hope to our weary souls? And now, Lord, we're going to remember what happened on that night, the night that Jesus was brought into the world. We're going to cry out to you in song and remember the birth of our Messiah and our Savior, Jesus. Amen.